Ducks fans. Are you ready? You are listening to the Ducks and Pucks podcast with your hosts, Mike Walters and Eddie Jones. This is the number one home for Anaheim Ducks talk and analysis. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, along with my co-host, Eddie Jones. We uh, took a week off there. There wasn't too much going on with the Ducks. Uh, everybody was uh, looking around, waiting to see who the coach would be. And uh, bam, today, uh, officially announced, Randy Carlisle is back, and he is the Ducks coach again. Uh, we'll be covering that in this podcast, uh, pretty much for the majority of the podcast. And we'll also be talking about the Stanley Cup final, uh, Las Vegas uh, going through the process of getting a new team, and uh, tons of fan questions. And obviously, most of them are about uh, Randy Carlisle. So um, there was an explosion today, Eddie, uh, on social media. A lot of people were pretty much upset or uh, confused, uh, for lack of a better term, of what was going on after the announcement. Um, a lot of people not really too happy that uh, Carlisle's coming back for a second time. So uh, those of you that are listening, I urge you, you know, get into a meditative state. Eddie and I are going to talk about Carlisle and, and, and the good and the bad. Yes, there is some good, too. I, I promise you uh, it's not all bad. So try to relax here, and we'll go into this, Eddie. But uh, what was your initial thought you know, when uh, Carlisle got uh, picked up again by the Ducks? It, it was almost uh, like – you took this long to to really go for the the guy we all thought would probably eventually get hired. I know there was, I mean, we we put out an article where we had like fifteen to twenty twenty guys listed as potential guys, but I mean, with uh, Daryl Sutter resigning in L.A., there was almost, I mean, Randy Carlisle just seemed to to be the guy that fit as as awkward as that is for some fans and and for a lot of people bringing in. You know the the guy who you fired to replace the guy you hired to to replace him. So uh, <laughs> I mean, it really was when you look at the comments back when when Murray was talking about the guy that I um, mean the team and and being like bringing in a guy who you know will will have, they'll have to be more responsible and, and and you know he'll hold them accountable for their actions and and their play. I mean, really, with the comments you you hear again from today from the press conference, it it really seems like. Everything kept coming back to Randy. They re- they interviewed other guys. They had their second round of interviews. It came down to, from what we hear, maybe two or three guys. And and really, for for Murray, everything just kept coming back to Randy. And, and it kind of just makes sense. It's it's the guy that I think this team needs to to be the head coach right now. Is is difficult as that is for some people to hear. I think it's just as long as he's you know evolved his style of play and the way he you know his his teams play. Then I think it's it's the right move for the Ducks uh, at this point, you know where they are with the franchise. Yeah, and you bring up some of the concerns. You know, a lot of fans out there uh, are you know go back to the 2011-2012 season. He leaves. Um, you know, he doesn't get along with uh, a majority of the players. Uh, you know, we all remember Getzoff and Perry, so that's a big issue. Um, the way he did his line changes, you know, the, uh, the dump and chase play, the way he interacted with the youth, all that stuff. So we're going to kind of break all that down for you uh, in this next little segment here. And then we've got just a bazillion fan questions because obviously this is, you know, a hot topic. And, and finally, after five, six weeks, we've got, you know, a sense of direction basically. But I think one of the biggest issues, Eddie, and we can talk about it, is the team leadership. Uh, you look at the big three, Getzloff, Perry, and Kessler, and you know two of the three uh, had issue with them in the past. And uh, you know, according to Murray in the uh, press conference today, it sounds like the team leadership is on board. And he actually reached out and talked to 
the team leadership, which, you know, I, I've, I saw some fan comments and it was interesting. They're like, well, why would Murray, you know, talk to the, the team leadership? Why would he do that? Um, and I think in this situation, it's a little bit different. Um, you're bringing a coach that two of the three have played for on the Ducks, and then you've also got Kessler who played, uh, you know, for him back in the AHL. So, I mean, all three of them have actually really had relationship um, going back in time. So, I mean, I think it was important that Murray did that. And I know there's people out there that are criticizing Murray as well, uh, you know, uh, for what happened this past season, you know, making too many trades and, and, you know, not getting rid of Bruce soon enough and different things like that. But I think, uh, you know, and obviously time will tell in a year or two, if this is going to be a bomb move or it's going to be a great move, but I still think he went about it the right way, Eddie. And I think the fact that he talked to the team leadership and the team leadership's on board, uh, you know, I think that that problem is going to take its course and it's going to be fine uh, starting the season. Yeah. And it helps when the majority of the team leadership and the remaining uh, roster from when he coached, uh, you know, are the, there's the captain, the two assistant captains, and 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 really some two other leaders in the locker room. I mean, Getzlaff, Perry, Cogliano, and and Fowler are the only four guys that remain from from when Carlisle coached the Ducks. And, and I mean, we've talked about Cogliano and possibly Fowler uh, getting the assistance captain in different times. Obviously, that was before Kessler got it, and and they yeah, he's had experience coaching Kessler and Bieksa when they played uh, for Carlisle in the International Hockey League from Manitoba. So, I mean, that's pretty much the, the whole leadership core in the Ducks locker room right now. Um, and, and they've all had experience at one time or another in their careers uh, playing under Carlisle. So I think it was a, a good move for Murray to go in. And he probably talked to each and one uh, of those players that have played under him before. How did they like it? Would they be open for it again? And I, I don't think it's like any player. They would come in and say, oh, I'm not going to play for this guy uh, I mean, uh, you're gonna have to sign somebody else. So I mean, you you would expect most of the the uh, comments to be positive, but the fact that he said a lot of them pushed for it, I think that shows a, a good sign that a lot are you know welcome to a, a different style of coaching, you know, more uh, in your face in a way. And he's still gonna have a bit of that, but from what he he said in in the comments and in, in the press conferences, you know, he's kind of adapted. He's watched hockey uh, over the last few years and seen how it's changed and and what it takes to win now and you know he's obviously been with the Ducks organization over this last season too, so he's he's familiar with this team. He knows what's going on. So I think, you know, I, I think it's good that that the players on board. Yeah, and I think the biggest part too, kind of along the lines of this, is is being accountable, and that's you know an issue that actually Boudreaux had um, with Getzloff and Perry. Uh, if you look at it, he kind of let them you know do their thing. Uh, maybe a little bit too much, and he, you know, even admitted that um, right after the end of Game Seven against Nashville, he talked about that and how maybe he didn't rein him in enough. Um, so if you bring in Carla, you know you're going to get, you know, pretty much the opposite. He's going to hold them accountable. He's going to hold everybody accountable, and I think that's actually a good thing. Uh, you know, recently um, I was at an event this last week, and I, I talked to some of the the uh, higher ups with the Ducks and whatnot about you know the situation and the coaching and whatnot. And and what I can tell you from some of those conversations is that Carlisle is the type that he doesn't take days off. He he does work hard um, pushing the team, and uh, obviously it's going to be somewhat of an adjustment to start the season. There's going to be certain guys that are going to be like you know, holy crap! I mean, the, you know, we're going to be working our butts off, but um, if you look at in the long term, it it will work, um, and we'll go through some of the other concerns and stuff like that. Certain things that we got to talk about, but like in anything, Eddie, I think it's better that you put in the work, you hold the guys accountable, and you go forward. You know, I, I think one thing 
that uh, was kind of you know iffy, especially in the playoffs and, and towards the stretch. And and don't get me wrong, it depended on the schedule. But sometimes uh, we would you know be doing the updates and we'd notice the Ducks would take off practice uh, pretty frequently. And I mean, I get it when the team's injured and banged up and whatnot. But I, I think at the same time, you got to keep a rhythm, keep the guys going and in the flow of the game. And I think that just helps the team out in the long run. Yeah, and you know, like you said, you mentioned that some of the guys, like the newer guys, obviously guys who haven't uh, coached under uh, under Carlisle before, like Raquel and and Lindholm, and and obviously if Theodore's up next year, and, and depending on who comes back, you know, Vaughn and, and Dupre and other guys, I think, uh, like we mentioned before, having you know six guys who are are pretty much the the core of the Ducks lineup. They've been there the longest, or, or they're the most experienced. You know, the oldest guys, the the three leaders, and obviously plus Bieksa. Cogliano and Fowler, who obviously contribute to that that leadership in, in the Ducks dressing room, and, and the fact that they all know how he coaches or, or how he used to coach, and, and and I have an idea of what it's like to play under him. It will help um, the transition from a new coach into the next season, and they'll be able to help out the newer players with that. And and, and I think that's that's a, a good sign. Other than bringing in, say, if uh, you know, obviously Travis Green was in the running, and, and a couple other guys, you you know, if you bring in a new guy where you know nobody has. Any idea what he, how he coaches, what he's like with his players, uh, the transition is a lot different. And, and and we saw that when Brujo first came in, and it was a, a big difference from uh, when when Carlisle was coaching way back then. So I think it's it's good that that some guys have experienced before, and it will help ease the transition. Um, obviously, they need to win now, so that's a big thing. Yeah, and and just so people know, when the news came out to me, I, you know, obviously we knew about it in advance as there were some other reports coming out uh, in the days leading up to this, and then obviously today was the official one. Uh, you know, I really had a fifty-fifty split on this. I, I I wasn't like super happy and excited, but I wasn't really as frustrated as a lot of you are out there because, um, and we'll go into this basically now. But um, if you look at the defense. You look at the special teams, uh, Carlisle does very well at those situations. And what was the strength of the Ducks last year? It was the defense and it was the special teams. That's what got this team out of the hole in the beginning of the first couple of months and turned them around. So him coming, bringing that kind of that play and that focus, uh, you know, and even Kessler mentioned that too in an article that was um, uh, put out in Canada uh, about a week or two ago. Uh, I think all that's going to be the stuff that's going to work and is going to be the good base for the Ducks to do well in the regular season and in the playoffs. I think on the flip side, the biggest concern for me, Eddie, is going to be the offense and, and in terms of the line changes, um, the dump and chase, which I mean, I know he said today in the press conference that he's not doing the same things he did 10 years ago. But I think it's a legitimate concern, Eddie, as far as on the offensive side of the puck. And, that, and that's where I, I have some reservations. Yeah, and obviously, you know, the Ducks blue line is still young. They've come off of a very good season. They've got more experience. They're very mobile, which, you know, contributes to how, how the game of hockey is played this year. Obviously, we saw the Penguins win and how mobile their blue line is and, and how quick in transition and everybody talked about speed and getting the puck up to your forwards, and obviously that's going to be fine for the Ducks next year. The goalie situation will be worked out, but the the real problem is, and we'll, a lot of the turnover will be too, is is up front, and obviously we'll see Getzlaff and Perry and Kessler and the main core back, but uh, you know we'll see a lot of new guys back. You know we're still waiting to hear what's going to happen with McGinn and Perron. Uh, Perry, obviously Raquel as well, and a couple other guys up front. So this team is going to be different next year, and, and it'll be interesting to see how Carlisle deals with it. Uh, I mean, we, from what we've seen 
his time in Anaheim and his time in Toronto, like you said, uh, his, his forte is, is in dealing with, you know, special teams and, and defense. And, you know, I don't want to say he struggled dealing with, with the, the forwards. And I think it's definitely a different situation from when he coached in Anaheim um, back in 05 to 2011. And definitely when he coached in uh, Toronto from 2011 to 2015, I think it's a completely different situation uh, from either of those two teams. So it'll be interesting to see how he takes it on, but it's definitely, I, 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 if you want to cons- be concerned about something, I think it's definitely something you, you can be concerned about going into the season. Yeah, and I think part of this is going to be an adjustment. And and this is what we talked about before, Eddie. Uh, whoever the new coach is going to be, there's going to be an adjustment, especially with the, the line rushes, because we don't know who's going to come back for sure and who's going to stay. We've got the draft coming up and then the free agency right behind that. And given the situation with the RFAs and the UFAs that are out there, and you mentioned a bunch of them already, there is going to be uh, you know new players coming in and other players going out. So it's it's just going to be it's going to be interesting uh, to say the least because you know obviously preseason will get started in September and then you know October November I, I think there'll be somewhat of a filling out process like you said there is a core there already so if they can bring back some of these other players that a lot of us. You know, felt did well this season. Perron, again, like you mentioned, obviously you want to um, have Lindholm and Votnin. And if you can't get both, at least one of them for sure, you want to bring them back. So, I mean, there's a lot of that that has to be taken into account. But I think um, once it can get that um, roster set up, you're not going to see Carlisle go crazy and changing the lines all the time. And, you know, obviously that was another concern that people had about Boudreaux. He used to change the lines so much, and people were like, hey, stop, this is too much. So, you won't get that, you know. I, I mean, obviously, right in the beginning, we will, but eventually, you won't see that as much. So, I think that is just going to be a filling out process. But the other bigger issue is probably the dump and chase strategy, which, you know, he addressed that. He said that he's not going to be doing the exact same thing as before. So, that's something we have to look at, Eddie. And you and I have talked about that. I mean, obviously, there's times when you bring the puck through the neutral zone and. And uh, the other teams, and almost all teams, implore some kind of a trap formation, you know, uh, on the defense that you have to dump it in. But uh, and you talked about this, or actually, we talked about this before we started the show. But a, a big thing is the transition game. And looking at the Penguins, they they really talked about the Penguins today a lot. Which I mean, don't get me wrong, because I like the Penguins too. But um, I, I think that's going to be the key. Eddie is, is maybe not so much the speed, but the neutral zone game and getting the, the puck out of your own zone. Yeah, and it's not just the Penguins. I mean, you look at all four teams that that made it to to the uh, the Western Conference and Eastern Conference Finals this year. You look at San Jose, who who they move the puck up. They've got a lot of mobile defensemen. So obviously, everybody's familiar with Ben Burns, but they can move the puck up really quick from their own end. Tampa Bay is definitely a good example of that too. Obviously, Pittsburgh. So uh, and even St. Louis to an extent as well. They've got Petrangelo and Pareko and Shattenkirk back there. So I, I think that's the you know the the way t- to win this year. And obviously we've seen Pittsburgh you know play to, to that style of game and it, it won them a Stanley Cup this year. And and I think the Ducks have the right players in place to play that game. They've got a lot of smart forwards up front who can make quick plays and pass the puck. Obviously Getzlaff's one of the the best passers in the league. You know Corey Perry is, is no slouch when it comes to passing either. But you know, you look at that blue line, uh, we're all not sure if Votnin's going to be back, but you would have to assume Lindholm will be back. Fowler should still be there. Uh, Theodore will be up next year. I mean, those are all great puck-moving defensemen. You still have Bieksa and, and Dupre who, who can move the puck decently too. And and, and Stoner, obviously, <laughs> we've all kind of been on about <laughs> moving the puck. But it's not always about making 
the 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 most creative pass. It's just making the quick pass, making the, the a quick decision, getting up to your forwards so they can get it in. And we we saw um, the opposite of that against Nashville, where they were dumping it in, they they couldn't get any control, they, you know, they they couldn't establish their game, the the, the forecheck that that they like to establish because it always changed from game to game. They would either have quick transition and it would work, or they would decide to dump it in, and sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't. And I think that's something they need to establish this year. Are they going to be a team who builds up most of their play in the neutral zone? And obviously it, it changes with each team you're going to play, but I think they've got to pick one and decide are we going to be a team that dumps it in and chases it and forechecks that way, or are they going to build up in a neutral zone and, and kind of copy from, from what some of the, you know, obviously the Penguins and the other teams have been doing. So I, know, I think that's the, the main thing they'll be working on, and obviously establishing a system, something we, we talked about endlessly this year with Boudreaux and, and his system and getting back to their style of play. And you know that will be the, the main transition curve, uh, I think, for the Ducks players this year. And, and like you mentioned, uh, we'll, we'll obviously see a lot more uh, of those top two lines than, than we're used to seeing with, you know, Boudreaux used to roll all four lines. I think we'll, we'll see a lot more of Getzoff and Perry, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think part of this that uh, you know goes into it is you know this whole notion of the Corsi stats and the analytics and whatnot. We'll kind of you know go through some of the fan questions now. But Daniel asks about you know Carlisle's Corsi stats aren't that great. He hasn't done that well at that. You know, is that another concern amongst all this? And I mean, yeah, of course that's a concern. I mean, we have to look at analytics. You know, you and I have talked about this before. Um, we don't emphasize it as much maybe as some others do, uh, but you can't ignore it either. It's definitely an important stat. Um, I just don't put as much weight into it maybe as some of the others out there do. And um, given the way that Carlisle has done with this course, it's something that's going to have to be worked on. But he did talk about that in the press conference today, and he said, look, you know, the, the you have to have the puck more than the other team. That's just a fact. That's how you, you win games. You get more opportunities. You have to have puck possession. So I am concerned about it, but I think it goes back to all the stuff that you were talking about, Eddie. Um, the biggest thing is playing that solid defense, but then – the transition game, getting the puck, getting up the ice, and going that way because it's not necessarily the fastest skaters that win this game. It's who can transition the game, be in the right position, make the right passes, and get that puck from your own zone to the other zone before the other team has a chance to set up and get that trap going. Uh, I, I mean, I think that's a huge, huge part of the NHL this year now, and because uh, we've seen uh, certain speed players not necessarily work. You know, I mean, Haglin worked in Pittsburgh, but he didn't work in Anaheim. You know, Perron didn't work in Pittsburgh, and then he did work in Anaheim. I mean, so some of it's personnel stuff too. But I think if you want to be good at the Corsi stats and you want to be able to win, you got to not only get that puck, but you got to you know um, get it up the ice fast, not necessarily by skating, but by moving it around. Yeah, and it's not like you can't win if you don't have a good course. We we've talked about that endless amounts of times, and and I think it's really not as important if you look at Carlisle's previous stats to now. I mean, he played in a team in Toronto where they were terrible. They they couldn't, and and that's not just on him either. They didn't have a lot of guys who could move the puck well. They didn't hold on to the puck well. They were more of a, a counter attack team where they used. Most of their offense came through Phil Kessel, so they would just use his speed and his actual foot speed uh, to punish teams, and they would kind of counterattack on you uh, in that way. Um, and then if you go back all the way to, I mean, you can't even really look at his past stats with the Ducks because, uh, I mean, Corsi and, and, and events analytics and advanced stats and everything wasn't really as big of a deal when he was coaching Anaheim. So I think it's a completely different situation, this, uh, situation right now. Uh, you know, he's obviously mentioned he's 
kept up. He's evolved as a coach. He's, you know, he he understands analytics now. Uh, you know, he's he's he also mentioned that you know it's not the only stat. I mean, it's it's a stat along with other stats. They'll look at everything to determine how they want to play hockey. But um, like like we said before, I mean, it's not about just foot speed. It's about making the right decision. It's about getting it quickly out of your own end transitioning and obviously holding the puck in the neutral zone and creating play and 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 the, what the duck strength is over the last few seasons has been holding play in the uh, the opponent's end and and I think that will still be there. We've still got the right players to do that to hold play in their own end to to forecheck and everything like that and I think if you get the the quick transition from from the defense from you know obviously the the great playmaking defensemen that we have right now and I think it should all come together we have the right players to do so obviously I uh, will add more through free agency or, or, or trade or, or whatever comes in this off season. But you know that that's definitely the the big thing that I think they'll be focusing on right now. And you know we've heard it already from from Carlisle and Murray in the press conference. Yeah, that kind of goes into another fan question we had uh, from Devin. Devin, you know, he brought up the dumping, uh, you know, chase strategy that we uh, have already kind of talked about at length. And he he brings up Pittsburgh and and their speed and the, what they've done to be effective. And he kind of goes into the question of, well, are these trades that Murray's going to make, you know, obviously they're going to be coming in the next couple of weeks. We know stuff is going to have to happen because there's no way the Ducks are going to re-sign all these players. So some players are going to walk and some players are going to get traded. Um, but he thinks, is is that going to dictate how the trades are done? And, and I think, yeah, I think it will dictate how it's done. Um, I, but I, I don't think there's a lot that the Ducks really need to do. I, I think that they... You know, the last four years we've been there. Uh, I mean, we've been so close, and we the lineup has changed each year. I mean, granted that obviously the core players have been there throughout the four years, but um, there's been some changes, and I, I think he will tune some of it to more of this transition game and getting the puck uh, up the ice. Uh, he mentioned it in the press conference today, Eddie, and I think that's the strategy. I mean, that's the way it's got to go. And, and like you said, it's not just the Penguins. It's, it's all those top teams that made it far in the playoffs. If you look at the teams that, that do well and go and uh, go far in the playoffs, it's not necessarily speed. It's not necessarily grit and all that, which uh, all those are important. But it's being able to get that transition game, create turnovers, and uh, just have the puck more than the other team. I mean, if you have it more than the other team, usually you're going to win. And, and that's what we saw, especially in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals and then the Stanley Cup Final. Yeah, and by no means, though, is the Pittsburgh Penguins' style of play, you know, the carbon copy for success. I mean, that could work for one team, and it's not going to work for another team. And I think the Ducks will look at that, and obviously that was the Penguins were mentioned uh, a lot in the press conference, and obviously this season for, for good reason. They're obviously you know the best team in hockey. They won the Stanley Cup, but they just have the right players to fit that mold, and they brought in the other players to to enhance that. They brought in Phil Kessel. They brought in uh, Haglin. You know, they, they already had some quicker players. They had a lot of younger players who were quick as well, and Connor Sheary and Brian Rust, and, and I think it just worked for them. I mean, Crosby's you no know, slouch either, and, and, and his speed, Malkin as well. Um, and, and their blue line well, as well as young and quick and fast, and they can get the puck up the ice. So I, I, I think you can't really copy them. You can use that and, and see that you need to be a quicker team with foot speed and with you know your transition play and everything like that. And, and they'll obviously make moves to, you know, to to go in that direction. But I don't think they have to copy what the Pittsburgh Penguins have done. I don't think the dump and chase game necessarily fits this Ducks team as it's built right now. I think. They should focus on you know building up play through the middle. I think they have the right players to do that. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see 
the trades and everything they make. But I'm sure uh, Murray and Carlisle have talked about the, the style of play they want to play for next season and all the trades that will come uh, coming up in this draft and, and, and during free agency and everything like that will reflect that. Yeah, and staying on the uh, you know the trade topic, uh, Adam here asks a question about you know there's been trade interest with uh, Toronto, and it's been coming up uh, you know in the news here here and there. We've seen some reports about that, and I think there is interest out there. I mean, Eddie, you live in that area and you hear it more. What are you hearing about you know as far as Toronto and and maybe the Ducks you know wanting to make a move uh, with them? Yeah, and it wouldn't it wouldn't be anything like a huge like blockbuster or anything like that um you know the Leafs are in no position to to move that number one pick so it's so nothing like that would happen but there's a a lot of interest in in both of the Ducks goalies and, and depending on who they end up moving I believe most of the interest is in Anderson um because it looks like they're leaning towards keeping Gibson there's obviously no cement proof on that but just with you know Freddie needing a contract and and everything else going into it, age and and anything like that um, there's a lot of interest uh, around the league from, from obviously Calgary has been up there and mentioned uh, Carolina at times as well for Freddie and, and obviously Toronto. Um, I mean, Bernier right now is their, their goalie and, and their goalie depth uh, after that is Sparks and, and Antoine Bebo, with, which is nothing to, to really boast about. So they're obviously going to be interested. The The asking price is, is something that we talked about that is difficult to judge right now with the goalie market being so thin. Uh, but that team, those two teams, also being desperate now with Fleury being thrown into the mix as a possible, um, you know, a, po- a possible name that's going to be traded this offseason from Pittsburgh with the the expansion draft likely coming at the end of next season. Um, there's definitely interest. Uh, I mean, there's definitely interest, and in, in the the price is something that we could talk about endlessly, and it all depends on <laughs> what it comes to at the draft time. I'm sure. Uh, I think we're almost all sure that one of them, one of the goalies, will be traded. Uh, before next season and you know you would have to look at some of the young forward prospects they have there but there's also the chance that you know a guy like John, James Van Riemsdyk uh, finally makes a move out of Toronto and you know <laughs> makes this long-awaited and rumored uh, trip over to Anaheim I think every season he's linked with the Ducks so you know it all depends obviously there's going to be interest and we'll have to wait and see uh, you know the, the draft is in 10 days so I'm sure it'll be a busy one for for Murray. You know, and along the lines of the goalie situation that you brought up too, is next season, uh, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that it's just going to be one goalie running the show. So, you know, that's going to be one less thing to deal with. I mean, obviously, you know, this last season it was always interesting uh, until towards the end when we got down to the two-game rotation. It was like, okay, who's going to be the goalie? You know, I'd sit there and write the pregame and just be like, okay, just going to put unconfirmed and throw anybody's name in there because you don't know who it really would be until the morning skate. So, um, I, I think that's one thing that we won't have to worry about. Um, the Ducks will have one goalie to focus on, uh, whoever it is. I mean, it's a tough decision. I like both of them. Um, it's just a question of whether do you want to go with someone that's got a little bit more experience and a little bit older, or you want to go with someone that's a little bit younger and, and probably has more time on the back end, uh, you know, with the organization. And it, it's a tough one. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the Ducks are going to do with that one, but I, I do know that. It could be either one. Um, from everything I've heard, you know, the options have been weighed both ways. So that's one that's really going to be, a, you know, a big one to watch uh, coming up here in the next couple of weeks, especially with the draft. Um, and you know, going along those lines, uh, you know, as far as the trade rumors and whatnot, um, we'll just have to see what's going to happen. I mean, there's been rumors too. Some people have asked. Uh, we have Paul. He asks about, you know, will the Ducks trade one of the big guns? 
if something happens um, under Carlisle. And, you know, I, I don't really see that happening. I, I just don't. Um, I mean, obviously, we'd have to see what happens in the season and how it progresses and goes, you know, obviously up to the trade deadline, you know, during the regular season and all that, which we're getting way ahead of ourselves on that. But I, I don't really see them moving, you know, big-name players, Eddie. I, I think the Ducks are going to, you know, work on – retooling their forwards trying to you know keep some of these guys and bring in some other guys they're going to make a decision at, at goal and uh defense like you said it's really the big one is, is probably uh Lindholm and Botman they gotta you know I don't think they can keep both but they gotta try and keep one of those two and I I, th- I really think that's what the Ducks are going to focus on I think they're going to keep the core um especially at the top um we've talked about maybe switching around that the captain and the alternates uh, that's something that you know Carlisle is going to have to figure out. But other than that, I I don't really see trades coming from, you know, the the big guys. Um, if for some reason the Ducks don't do well during the season, I, I just don't see that those contracts are so huge. I, I mean, there'd probably be other trades going on. But uh, again, trying to get a little bit ahead of ourselves. But that's what I see as far as uh, uh, trades coming down the pipe. Yeah, and the thing is too is his trades like that just they just don't happen anymore. You don't see those types of trades happen. I could maybe you know a, a, the most the closest one to that situation would be Phil Kessel leaving Toronto uh, to go to Pittsburgh, and I mean that's uh, a different situation. The fact that Toronto is rebuilding and they're moving out their top asset to get some players in, and and you know you look at that trade, and even now looking with the Penguins winning the cup, that trade. Know heavily favors Pittsburgh. Uh, I I don't think Toronto got the best return, and and it's hard to get a return like that. You know, you you if you're moving one of those guys, you're rebuilding. Uh, I mean, I don't care how bad the season is. If you move one of those guys, you're re, you're rebuilding because you're not going to get in a player of that quality one for one trades. They don't happen with superstars in the NHL, and I'm not saying it could never happen. Um, it, it just I don't see it happening with the Ducks. No matter how I know, no matter how bad they're struggling, it, you, you don't trade guys like Getzlaff and Perry away at, at this point in their career and with the contracts they have. Just you know, the only teams interested in them are teams who are going to be competing, um, and, and a lot of those teams don't have the cap space or the assets to to acquire a player like that. So you know, realistically, uh, we'll obviously see a goalie go. It all depends on. The route they they want to go, obviously, the easy route right now is to trade Freddie with him, uh, you know, requiring a contract. But it, honestly, we, we both think it could go either way. Um, and then you move into to defense, and really, um, you know, Lindholm's an RFA. We we all hope he gets signed. Uh, we would love to see Votnin stay around too, but, um, I, you know, really, you know, realistically, we could see him go, and then a lot of players come in via know free agents here or other trades so like like we mentioned before and i think in every podcast so far uh you know the draft's coming closer now so it's definitely going to be a busy time for the ducks now you know going into next season you know after the draft's done the ducks get you know whatever players are going to get and you know send some others on their way and whatnot uh you know we have some questions about next season uh one of the big ones uh, James asks is about the playoffs and he says I mean again getting ahead of ourselves but you know if we get into the playoffs next year can we get rid of the game seven curses and um, I mean we talked about it before it wasn't really necessarily a curse but then after this last year now it's been four years in a row it's it's kind of hard to say it's not a curse but um, the way you can look at this is uh, we've talked about it before, is you look at Carlisle when he was on the Ducks and you look at the elimination games. Um, when he was with Anaheim, his elimination game record was 11-6. and six. 
uh, mo- you know, a big chunk of those in game sixes and sevens, and then uh, also some in game fours and fives. Um, so not a bad record, you know, um, almost two two out of th- three uh, ratio. If you then look at Boudreaux, it's <laughs> completely opposite. I mean, it's it's three out of eight. Um, and granted, you know, the game sixes and game sevens, it's zero. Uh, or I'm sorry, one for eight. We won that one against Dallas uh, in game six. But all the rest, as you obviously know, and I'm not going to rehash, we, we would lose. So I think in terms of maybe not necessarily game sevens, but in closeout games, Carlisle is going to give us that better opportunity to win those games because he's done it before. He's won game sixes. Um, he's four and two in game sixes while he was at Anaheim. So if he, you know winning those, that's pretty good. You get in a game six situation, he's won two out of three, uh, and the Ducks have avoided having to go to game sevens as much um, under his tenure. You know the Ducks only went to two game sevens. They won one and lost one under Carlisle. So. I think it is a better situation. Um, granted, obviously, there's a lot of work to do. We've got to, you know, get the lineup set and all the other stuff that's going on now in the next couple of months. But if the Ducks come out and do what they need to do in the regular season and are able to make the playoffs, I do like their chances better under Carlisle. I mean, the numbers are there, and I think they get it done. Um, they were able to close out a lot better. I mean, granted, that team was different, and, and this team's going to be different too. But I, I have more confidence, Eddie, uh, in the playoffs with Carlisle, especially going into you know game five, six, or seven, and they're trying to win the series. Yeah, and, and obviously we all expect the Ducks to make the playoffs next year, and and I think if they get in a situation like that, we're all still going to be nervous, no matter who's coaching behind the bench. I mean, um, it's uh, it, it's it's happening. It's a thing that's happened. It's it's still going to be there next year, uh, no matter what with Boudreaux there or not. This team as a whole. Um, has been terrible in elimination games over the past few seasons. So that that is still going to be there. It's still going to be talked about, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with that pressure. And I think having a new coach definitely helps. There's going to be a new presence in the atmosphere, a new attitude about the team. And, and we'll have to see if that is enough to get over it. I think the play in those games has to be a lot better, and I think they know that. Um, and, and having a new guy behind the bench and, like I said, a new attitude and a, a new philosophy and a new way to go about those elimination games when they get to them, I think that's going to definitely help. And I think the way Carlisle coaches is going to lend to that aspect. And I think, you know, if they if they, if they they inevitably get into another Game 7 in the playoffs, um, it's going to be nerve-wracking. But I think, you know, they can finally put that to rest with, with Carlisle behind the bench. Yeah, and, and speaking of playoffs and you know game sevens and game sixes and, and doing all that, and uh, this is kind of a question that's it's probably come up each of the years that we've been doing this now. But uh, we have Matt asks, you know, is this a must-win you know cup year for the Ducks? And honestly, I would say it is. I really think that the last couple seasons the Ducks could have won. Um, not that the, the last couple seasons weren't must-wins, but. I think if the Ducks are going to win the Cup uh, this season and, and maybe next season are probably the two biggest ones, um, you know, because after that, would I don't know, I'd have to see. But I, I do think uh, they really need uh, to get it done uh, sooner than later. And, and that's what uh, Murray talked about, too, in the press conference. He said that the, the team needs to win now. And um, I think that's a larger reason why he did pick Carlisle because you know they won under Carlisle as opposed to going with some uh, other coach like McLean or, or Green where they didn't really have a lot of experience um, you know in Anaheim. So that's what I look at, Eddie. I mean, what do you think? You think the Ducks need to try to win it this year or, or next year, or do you think that they ha- have a bigger window coming? 
I, it's hard because the blue line is so young, and I, and I think at that aspect, and even at goal, no matter who you choose, you know, in, in five years, most of them are still under thirty. If you keep Freddie, he's just over thirty. Um, so I think in that aspect, the, the window is open longer. But you, the real issue is up front with obviously Getzlaff, Perry, and Kessler as being our three main forwards, and, and their age, and not a lot of prospects coming up at that quality to, to fill their place. I mean, obviously Raquel will still be here, you would expect, and, and Silverberg and a lot of the younger guys on the team, if if Richie's ready, Cordelli's, you know, a lot of the prospects we have down in the youth system. But we've been drafting defense for so long, the prospect pool um, at left wing, center, and right wing isn't as deep as we'd like. And, you know, hopefully they address that in this draft um, and you know, trade up or, or draft, you know, hit on a lower draft pick this year because yeah, their their window I, I believe is really two to three more years realistically with the forward core they have right now. So if they're going to want to transition and, and you know pull off a, a sort of run like Pittsburgh, I mean not like Pittsburgh, like Detroit has over the last twenty or so years making the playoffs every year, you're going to have to bring in young forwards who are going to be difference makers, and you know that starts with making trades or hitting on lower draft picks and we mentioned them moving up possibly into the top five so you know it's definitely a a window that's closing and and if they're going to either remedy that by winning the cup in the next few years or or by drafting some quality forward prospects we'll have to wait and see and uh you know the other news uh kind of shifting gears here that came out today was uh nate thompson suffered an injury a ruptured achilles tendon and he's going to be out uh, they're saying at least uh, probably half the season. I mean, obviously he could come back sooner. We saw what he did with the shoulder injury. But what do you think uh, in terms of how that affects uh, you know this draft and picking the players and trading? Do you think the Ducks try to maybe hang on to a Horkoff type of guy now instead uh, with this uh, you know situation in front of us now? Yeah, I think they definitely it changes uh, free agency and it may be changes the the structure of a trade that they, they might make they might end up acquiring a fourth line third line center um to to replace him or you know remote, most likely it, it changes their plans for free agency a little bit as, as that's now a spot they're gonna have to fill um i mean there's always an ab- abundance of, of fourth line centers available during free agency so I'm, I'm not too worried about how they're gonna fill that uh, i mean it's not it's it's obviously disappointing to see a guy go like Thompson go down, but you know it's not Getzlaff, it's not Perry, it's not a big hole that you have to fill. You can fill it through free agency. You can fill it uh, with some spare ends on a trade. So um, it's obviously disappointing to hear, but it, it, you know it changes their plans, but uh, you know not too drastically that we have to worry about it. Yeah, just another you know thing that the Ducks are going <laughs> to have to look at. I mean, this like we said, this summer is just. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an intense summer. Uh, that was kind of the theme I think of the last podcast we talked about, and that's how it's gonna be. I mean, at least we have the coach now. Uh, you know, whether or not you agree with what the Ducks and Murray did, hey, we got to go with what we got now. We got to go forward. We got to support this team, and, and we we got to just move on. Uh, it's time to figure out. You know, uh, like Murray likes to do, he does his priority list. He'll go through the RFAs and he'll go through the UFAs and he'll try and figure out who, who he can keep and who he can't keep. And, um, you know, he goes through that whole process and, and obviously he's pretty tight-lipped about it. And um, now he's got Carlisle and they'll, they'll work on it. And, they'll you know, they've had a good relationship before. So, 
you know, I, I'm not a hundred percent on board with this move, but I, I don't hate the move either. I, I think it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm just more concerned about the offense going forward, Eddie. That that's my, my concern. But if the Ducks are able to keep the defensive play and the special teams play that they had from you know the last uh, past season and and seasons before, obviously, but really the last season, that's going to be key because. Uh, as we talked about before, you you got to have defense and you got you got to produce on special teams. Um, if you can't get it done on that, it doesn't matter if you're if you got a team that can score ten goals. I mean, you, then you end up being like the Calgary Flames and you get in shootouts all the time, and that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. So, that's my take on it, Eddie. Uh, as the Ducks move forward, yeah, you know, I, I think I'm on in in the same boat. I'm I'm not overly excited, but I, I'm not at the same level as some uh, some of the fans have have voiced so far where. You know, there, there, there's no way. You know, some, some people have gone as far as saying they won't you know, renew their season tickets next year because uh, Carlisle is now the coach, and I, I think that's a little bit far. It, it's a little bit unfair to to judge uh, Randy on on his you know previous tenure as as Anaheim Ducks coach. That, you know, in, in hockey, that's a long time. Uh, for the the game to develop and how it's changed, and I think a lot of us can agree the game has changed from from even as as, as early as 2011 from to what it is now. I think it's a, a lot different of a game. Uh, it's a lot quicker game, like we mentioned with transition and even with foot speed. A lot uh, younger game, a lot more younger players making uh, their NHL debuts and being able to step in right away. And, and I think you know we can only really judge him when he starts and and, and how they start the season and the style of play they decide to play. Uh, I think it's a little bit unfair to to immediately hate the decision right off the bat. I don't think we're really going to be super excited about anybody who came in. I mean, barring Daryl Sutter not resigning with the LA Kings, there wasn't going to be much of a uh, of a of a, uh, a real significant replacement. Uh, I mean, if Travis Green comes in, we're all still going to have concerns. Is is Kenny coach in the NHL? He has no experience. How is he going to mesh with the players? If a guy like Mike Yo comes in, we talk about how you know how he got fired from Minnesota and his play style. No, no matter who comes in, there's going to be issues. And I think obviously with Randy coaching here, I um, mean Anaheim before and how he left has a little bit of people on edge. But you know it's a little bit unfair in my opinion to look back at his previous tenure and, and say that's what's going to happen this time. I think you know we have to give him the benefit of the doubt. He said he's evolved as a coach, and you know I think he. He deserves to have a little bit of leeway, and and we you know we can wait to judge him and see how the Ducks play. Yeah, I, I agree, Eddie. And I mean, I mean, he won the cup. <laughs> I yeah. mean, come on, we can't, <laughs> we can't forget that we won the cup, guys. Uh, you know, with Randy Carlisle, and we made the playoffs every year he was there, except for one year. And like we said, he's done better in those elimination games than Bruce has done. So. Um, those are some of the positive things. I, you know, I'm not saying I don't have any reservations myself either. Of course I do. I have some as well. But uh, like Eddie said, see what happens. You know, the Ducks need to redo this lineup and, and get through the draft and then the free agency. And let's see what kind of team we have, you know, uh, come July, August and, and figure it out from there. Because we really can't predict next season. And, and I saw some, I can't remember who, but a few people had tweeted me different you know, the odds already of next season and all this stuff. And, and don't listen to any of those people. I, I mean, this is way too early. The, the Stanley Cup was just won by Pittsburgh. I mean, you cannot sit around here and turn around and go, oh, yeah, the Ducks are going to be, you know, 1-8 and eight or 1-16 and 16 or whatever. I've seen some of these numbers out there. So it's just way, way too early. And and, you, and if you don't like Carlisle, I get it. I understand, you know, he, he didn't get along with some of the players. And, you know, some of his methods are archaic. You can Google and see articles written on it by 
other people and myself and, and whatnot. And we know all that. Um, but there's still a lot to be sorted out. So just let's wait and see. And, you know, if, if the Ducks start the season and things go south uh, in, you know, September or I'm sorry, in October and, and, and November, then, you know, then we'll start talking about it again. Hopefully it doesn't because, you know, the first two months were painful this last uh, uh, season, especially for us uh, trying to be as positive as we could. So um, that's the way I would look at it. Um, you know, we, uh, we've got some other news, too, coming around in the NHL that, to report, and uh, we're going to cover that now, and uh, uh, we'll see what the Ducks do. But, you know, around the league, we've we've got another team that the Ducks are going to have to face, Eddie. Uh, it's not going to be this season, but it's going to be coming up soon. We've got Las Vegas is, uh, you know, getting a bid here in the NHL. Um, speaking of, uh, you know, adding more teams, and they're going to come into this uh, Pacific Division. Granted, everything uh, gets finalized, which they have to come up with a big dollar amount. But I think it's kind of interesting, Eddie, because it's going to also change how the Ducks, uh, you know, play in the Pacific Division. Obviously, not this season, but when the Las Vegas team comes in, which they're supposed to be called the Black Knights, um, it's not official, but you've seen it plastered everywhere. So I'm pretty sure that's what the name's going to be. But it, I, I think it'll be interesting with only one team coming in, Eddie, being in the division. And then not having the other team uh, in the central, so it's going to be a little bit of weird scheduling deal because it, it had been even, you know, for for the last couple seasons. So um, I'm excited, though. You know, I, I drive out to Vegas, go out there occasionally, and, and I'm definitely going to go watch the Ducks uh, play when they're out there. So uh, I'm glad. I'm glad they're bringing in their team, and I think it's exciting. It's just another thing to grow the uh, the sport of hockey, especially on the West Coast. Yeah, and, and we've been talking about this almost all the way back to next year and the process that has taken place. And to see it's finally, uh, at least it's finally settled as the NHL's choice for expansion. It, it, it by no means means it's completely done. Um, the NHL has just pretty much chosen Vegas over Quebec City or Seattle or, or another Toronto team as its choice for expansion this time around. Uh, you know, the organizers and the owners still have to come up with the $500 million expansion fee before that Damn. can be, uh, yeah, before that can be, uh, you know, it's a, it's a big fee, but I'm sure they, they've they all been informed of this process and, and what would happen and how much money they would need ahead of time. So I don't think there's any doubt that they'll be able to get a hold of the money. And then there also is still a board of governors meeting where they'll hold a, a formal vote, and that's uh, apparently taking place on June 22nd, and, and two-thirds of that board must approve the recommendation of expansion so by no means is, is it confirmed um the, the idea is it's most likely going to happen everybody seems to be on board with it and you know the earliest that this team can be on the ice would be 2017 2018 which means that the expansion draft would be at the end of next season and again that affects the ducks and, the, and many of other teams in the and the their you know their dealings this offseason and everything like that and with the uh, decision on Vegas being made before the draft, I think that is definitely a, a huge, uh, a huge deal. If if everybody okay's it, we would expect to hear that Vegas would be coming to the NHL for 2017-2018, which would uh, change how a lot of teams, especially you know the Ducks and the Penguins, with their goalie situation, how they're going to deal with uh, trades during the draft. Um, and then, like you said, with Vegas most likely coming to the Pacific Division, that throws a uh, throws a wrench kind of in, in the scheduling, especially for Pacific Division teams with, you know, we're used to playing Edmonton and Arizona and L.A. and San Jose, you know, five or six times a season. Um, and then having another team in there, you're going to have to limit the amount of times you maybe go face some of these Central Division teams. Obviously, the Eastern Conference ones don't change as much because we make one road trip out there a season. But I think, you know, you end up 
taken some of those games away from maybe you don't play Chicago as many times, maybe you don't play St. Louis as many times, you know, the Central Division teams, maybe they cut back on how many teams they play in the Pacific Division. Um, it, it's not a huge deal. It's only about, you know, six games per team, so it, it doesn't change the scheduling a whole ton. Uh, but, it, you know, it definitely affects the Ducks uh, and other Pacific Division teams more than others. Exactly. And it's going to be interesting uh, bringing them in, at, at, you know, an odd number of teams. So that's going to be something we'll have to watch and see. And it's going to obviously make the Pacific a little bit more competitive, too, because you're going to have to add one more in there. Um, you know, and, and they'll be good, though. They'll, they'll hopefully get another team uh, in the Western Conference, and then it'll be balanced out. And then who knows? Maybe they'll add some more after that. But this is definitely something to be excited about, something to look forward to. I, I was just in Vegas recently and went by the stadium, and it looks very good. So uh, I'm excited. You know, another team out in the West. So that, that's something to look forward to. And uh, really the only other news that uh, came up in the last week was the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, as we mentioned uh, throughout this podcast, uh, you know, winning the Stanley Cup, Eddie. Uh, I think uh, Phil Hewitt, you and I were probably the only ones that picked Pittsburgh. Uh, it looked like most of the experts out there said that San Jose was just going to run away with it, and uh, nothing could have been further from the truth in this series. Uh, you look at these games, uh, not, I'm not going to go over all of them, but if you really look at this series, other than uh, Game 5, um, the score may not have reflected it, but if you watch the games, uh, Pittsburgh really took it to the Sharks. I mean, they were winning the faceoffs, they were getting the shots, they were possessing the puck, um, they were blocking shots like crazy. Bonino was going nuts blocking, I think, almost everything that was in front of him. I'm sure his knees are, are just sore as all hell because he was blocking so many shots. And uh, it was a good series. Um, and, and Murray really shined. He, he battled it out. You know, Jones did phenomenal for the Sharks. Uh, really kept them in some of the games, but um, it, it was uh, you know Pittsburgh coming out on top, um, and just kind of kind of what we you know expected. We thought Pittsburgh would win, and uh, they did it, Eddie. So kind of happy, you know. It's my second favorite team, so I'd rather have been the Ducks, of course. But it's just the way it went. So I'm, I'm happy uh, for the Penguins and you know the five former Ducks on the team uh, winning. Yeah, and really at the the beginning of the playoffs. Um... I picked two teams outside. You know, obviously, we had the bracket challenge, and, and I had the Ducks in one bracket. But uh, in the other bracket, I had St. Louis and, and Pittsburgh going all the way. And, I and you know, obviously, Pittsburgh ends up winning it. And, you know, just the way they played at the end of the season, you know, they started slow as well, just like the Ducks, and they turned it on, and they played probably the best hockey out of any team. Even the Ducks going into the playoffs, they were that good. They were, you know, the, everybody was firing. Crosby was playing well. He started slow. Uh, Malkin was playing good, even though he was injured close to the end of the season. Latang was playing while well. he was battling with some injuries. And then obviously we talked about Murray being so good coming in late in the season and then winning 15 games, uh, tying the record, uh, Cam Ward's record for a rookie goalie in the playoffs. And, you know, it was just a team that was really, that could just win it all. The, the way they played, you know, it, it solidifies the, the, the idea that coming in hot into the playoffs is definitely a good thing for your team. Um, they they played well against the Rangers. They played well against uh, Washington. You know they they played well against Tampa Bay, and then they played well against San Jose. They they, they didn't really have any faults uh, in, in their game. Obviously, you know they lost a couple games here and there, but they really didn't look like they could beat. And obviously, in the end, they ended up winning it. And, and really, you know that's that's big ups to to Crosby as well. But but for the GM to bring in some of these players, and they all played such a key role. Um, in, in the playoffs, obviously, Phil Kessel, I believe he led them in points. Hagland played really well on the line with Benino. So, uh, I mean, just the, the players that he brought in and the, the team that they were able to assemble, just, you know, it was, it was too good, and it was the reason they ended up winning the Cup. 
Yeah, and you know, and I look at it too, and and obviously going by the comments in uh, Murray's interview today too, because they you know brought up Pittsburgh again. Uh, I think it's just big motivation here for Anaheim. I mean, you got to look at what they did. Um, they went through similar struggles that the Ducks went through this season. Like you mentioned, they started out poor uh, in the first couple months. Uh, they turned things around, just like the Ducks turned things around. Um, the only difference is, you know, we we stuck with Boudreaux the whole season, where uh, Pittsburgh changed out their coaches. And um, you know, I, I it's unfortunate, but I really think the Ducks could have got uh, you know that far. I think. Uh, some of the issues that they had were, you know, obviously the first two games they didn't play well against Nashville, but they also had, you know, a ton of injuries too. That, and I know all the other teams go through injuries too, but just saying the Ducks had, you know, a, a good amount. You know, Perron was a big one. Uh, Bieksa wasn't a hundred percent. You know, Kessler had some nagging things here and there. So, um, you know, those are the things that I think maybe hindered them. But I, you know, the the teams were kind of on a similar course. I think that you know it would have been great to see the Ducks get that far. Um, but you know, that just came up short, unfortunately, but I think that Pittsburgh is definitely a model for the ducks to maybe not copy a hundred percent, like you said, Eddie, but it definitely, uh, and some of the basics, uh, some of the things that the ducks can do, uh, next season. And, um, you know, I just, uh, want to wrap up the podcast. The, uh, the other big news, um, this week, uh, want to give our condolences out to, uh, Gordy Howe and his family. Uh, if you, uh, didn't know he passed away. Unfortunately, he had uh, different health complications. Obviously, recently there had been different reports. And, uh, you know, another legend, um, you know, a guy that uh, really built up the sport of hockey. Um, obviously, uh, you know, playing for Detroit most of the time, but um, just a good guy. And uh, it's unfortunate to see, see uh, him go, but uh, there's nothing I can really say. He's just a, a great player, um, played a long time in the league. Um, a uh, true class act, a uh, good motivator, um, you know, uh, inspiration to the fans, but uh, other players as well out there, uh, you know, they've talked about it, Gretzky and some of the others have talked. And uh, there's even talk too, Eddie, that uh, they're trying to push and maybe retire the number nine uh, in the league. So we may see something like that and uh, definitely deservedly so. Yeah, and uh, there's a reason he was called Mr. Hockey for sure. I mean, he, he's gr- arguably the greatest player of his generation and possibly ever to, to play in the NHL. I mean, the style of hockey he played was different from anyone at the time. He played a physical game. Could, you know, he scored at, at will, and I mean, it's obviously a huge loss for the hockey community. It's been felt, you know, everywhere uh, since uh, since it was released and. No, I, I mean, I, I would definitely be before retiring the, the number nine. I think he's had uh, you know just a, a, as big an impact as Gretzky has had on uh, on hockey, if not more. Um, so I think it would be a, a great thing for the NHL to do. I'm not sure um, if they would do it. It's obviously something that they don't take lightly. Obviously, with the number nine right. being the only number retired by by the NHL, but I I think if you're going to do it for any other player, I, I think you would have to do it for Gordie Howe. I mean. Him and Gretzky are, are probably the the two most influ- influential and best players to to ever play the game. So I think it would be fitting for them to to do that, uh, you know, in in either next season or or, or coming up in the next couple of years. Yeah, and, and just to go off that, we'll see. You know, maybe the league will, and, and it's definitely deservedly so. And like you said, well-rounded player. You know, um, the Gordie Howe hat trick, able to score and fight and get assists. You know, he he could do it all. Um, so, uh, you know, it's just a big loss, um, but you know that his memory is going to go on, and uh, uh, obviously other players are going to continue to build off of that. 
and there'll be you know there may not be people um, that'll follow like him, but you know there'll definitely be people that uh, push the sport and you know continue its growth and whatnot. And obviously, we keep seeing it in the uh, the West Coast as. Uh, you know, Vegas is now getting a team as well, which is awesome. So uh, with that, we're going to wrap up the show, and uh, we'll be back. I don't know, if, again, if it'll be in a week or two weeks, kind of wait on the news. It might be closer to the draft and whatnot. But um, stay tuned, and uh, we'll still have articles coming up. You know, um, now that the coaching's done, we'll kind of start focusing more towards the draft picks. Um, if you haven't seen it already, Thomas has been writing some articles analyzing whether or not the ducks would you know trade up in the the first five spots or six through uh, ten and whatnot so look for those he's uh he's been working hard he's been looking at different scenarios and whatnot and it'll be interesting to see if some of them pan out or not so with that we'll, we'll see you in a week or two and let's go ducks